This is episode number one with Little Hurricane. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. I had the pleasure of interviewing Little Hurricane from San Diego, California. Formed in 2010, the band consists of Tone and Cece. They have toured nationally and have supported the Specials, Manchester Orchestra, White Denim, and the Heartless Bastards. They are two rad human beings and have been so supportive and open to letting me interview them for my first episode. I had some technical difficulties when recording and had to use the Zoom recorder without the microphones hooked up. So you will hear a lot of room tone. But I promise you this, each of my episodes gets better. And I use less and less of likes and ums. So let's just get right into it and hear Little Hurricane's story. Thank you so much, guys, for doing this today. This is my very first podcast. We are excited for you. Honored, honored <laughs> to be part of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we met back in 2012 on the Electric Six tour. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that was, what, our second or third tour. It was an er- early one for us. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Those guys were some of the nicest guys we've ever toured with. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed working with them. So, you guys met on Craigslist. We did. Yeah, that was uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had um, posted an ad looking for a guitar player, and prior to posting that ad, I had quit a long career of cooking and gone on to bartending. And for that bartending job, I had seen an ad for a new bar opening on Craigslist. And it said, open call for all bartenders between 3 and 5 at this location. And I showed up with 400 other people. And um, it stuck out in my mind that, hey, this is a great way to get a lot of people in one place. And what they did in this particular bar was narrow that 400 down to 25 bartenders. And we had a great crew. So um, remembering that was kind of what made me turn to Craigslist to try and find a guitar player. Tone, you were you played in a couple bands or a band or two yeah. before? Well, I was in a band in high school and then college, kind of like a punk band thing. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed writing songs. And when that band fell apart, I uh, still wrote music, but just never performed it live or shared it with anyone. Um, it's just kind of for me. And then I was working for other bands at the time, like in studios, um, which is fun because it's with music and I was getting paid for it, but it wasn't as creative as I anticipated. It was a lot of like, you know, live recordings, trying to make it sound like the album or whatever, fixing, tuning vocals and stuff that just like hurts your heart. And then, um, so I decided one day I think it came down to like the catering for the bands was different than the crew that was recording them and the bands had way better food than the crew <laughs> and I was like I need to figure out how to be in a band again because they get better food um, <laughs> so I turned to Craigslist so I use Craigslist for everything like selling yeah. bikes or whatever and surfboards and um, the musicians section there's tons of drummers so I um, ended up trying out a bunch and most of them, they were all guys except for Cece. And then yeah. her ad actually had like a little YouTube clip of her just wailing on this electronic drum kit. And it was awesome. And uh, she lived three blocks down the I, same street. Yeah, as I, just, I just can't believe like how that, it's, it's just so amazing. Like, I'm just like, I can't believe from like Craigslist that's like how you both met. 
I'm, I'm sure you've heard that many times, like, over the years, but, like, that, I still, like, get a kick out of that today. Yeah. Yeah, well, the funny part is, too, when we did meet that way, we were like, okay, we're going to launch our band. How do we tell people we met? So we started brainstorming all these ridiculous stories. Like, I think one was that we met riding bikes on a cemetery as, in a cemetery as kids. or But none of the stories were even as good as the actual truth, which is that we just found each other on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, talk, about, talk about, like, your culinary. Like, how, yeah. how, did, how, did you just, how did you make the change of, like... Well, it's a similar field because it's arts, and many cooks are musicians. Um, yeah. But many cooks aren't able to play in a band because of their work schedule. So mm-hmm. I had gone to culinary school right out of high school, and um, I cooked for about eight years after that in Chicago and San Diego. And uh, it's a great field for many people who love it. I absolutely hated it. Yeah, um, yeah. I kept thinking that maybe it was just I wasn't getting along with the chef or the line cooks or maybe I just needed a different field. So I did, you know, I was a sushi chef, I was a pastry chef, I worked the line, I was a kitchen manager, I did short order cook. I kept changing jobs thinking that I'll find my home in one of these kitchens. And um, ultimately I just never felt at home. I, I kind of became what I consider like a cancer in the kitchen because I started doing the math. And realizing like, okay, well, the bartenders are making two or three hundred dollars a night and the cooks are making two or three hundred dollars a week. And we're oh. here all the time. And other people are okay giving up that portion of their life to be in the kitchen because it's something they truly love. Yeah. But um, it just never clicked for me. So I had gotten laid off from a job in San Diego and that's when I went to bartending. And um, from there I was actually able to have the money and the time to be in a band. When you guys met, like, when when did it click for you that, like, this was going to work? Like, Well, he came into the bar where I was working. Um, oh, yeah, there was two girls working in the bar, and I wasn't sure which one was Cece. Okay. So I went to the first one and was like, are you Celeste? And she's like, no, and gave me a weird look, like, why are you looking for her if you don't know what she looks like? Kind <laughs> yeah. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. I was going to bring up, like, Craigslist, but I was like, eh. And then she just walked away and found Celeste and brought her. So that's where we met, and then... Our first jam session, I really felt like, well, this is actually really fun. This is cool because we were just jamming on some blues stuff. and like, um, Yeah, yeah I think I, I turned to him and that first... Well, he showed up to my mm-hmm. on my doorstep with this little amp in a suitcase. And I'd never seen that before. And I love old vintage stuff. So yeah. I was like, whoa. And I hadn't actually... We had talked, but I had been inundated with people wanting to jam, mostly creepy guys. And so I had actually I'd found a different... Tone's full name is Anthony Catalano, and I had Googled that name. I found a music composer that is not the guy sitting next to me. But luckily, it was a very successful music composer, and I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. (laughs) But uh, I didn't do much research further than that. So when he came over and we started jamming on a song and he started to sing, I clearly remember being like, oh, this is going to be good. And then he was like, duh. And then I was like, okay. And that, <laughs> I think that was for me when I was like, oh, this might actually be like, yeah. it could be good. Um, so, I mean, Anthony, you were in a lot of bands before. And Cece, this was, was this the first, first band? One, yeah, yeah, the first one you were in? Yeah. How, how was that adjustment? And, like, I mean, it takes a lot of balls <laughs> to, like, start playing music. It like, does. You know I was I mean? scared for years to do it because I felt like I didn't know enough about cool bands. I didn't know enough yeah. about live music. I didn't know enough about even playing the drums. So I was afraid. 
Um, but I had gone to a few shows and like watched the drummer and thought, okay, I could do what he's doing, you know. Um, and it was really scary. There was a definite learning curve of our first three or four shows where I was completely terrified of the sound guy because um, oh, wow. I thought he knew more yeah. than I knew about what I was doing. And they're just like a dog. If you show fear, they'd sense it. And then they'll walk all over you. Like, I remember I spilled a glass of water on our first show and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he, oh, he was so mad. And it's like, shit gets spilled all the time on stage. <laughs> yeah. But if you act like yeah. timid, they're going to treat you like you're timid. But, right. you know, just like anything, the more shows you do, you realize, okay, this is how the sound check works. And this is how, you know, the microphones, even those silly stuff that I just didn't know how they worked. Mm-hmm. But, um... I will say that the only way you learn those kind of things is by just throwing yourself in the fire. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I, that. I just think that's so awesome. <laughs> oh, I just, yeah, I love that. Um, well, who were some of your musical influences growing up? Well, for me, it was like music my parents listened to. Yeah. Um, 70s, you know, 60s music, James Taylor, Van Morrison, mm-hmm. Beatles. Rubber Soul was my dad gave gave me a CD. He was like, "This is my favorite album," and like, yeah. so I picked that up and I loved it. I loved that album. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of progressed from there, and then I got into punk music after that. And okay. Like, well, post punk, like No Use for Name, and okay, yeah, um, you know, melodic stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. How about you, Susie? Uh, I'm kind of the same way. I grew up on a lot of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, we would listen to Breakfast with the Beatles, which was a radio program in Chicago every Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, so the Beatles were a huge influence. And then... Um, I love the Beatles girl. Oh, I they're got... so good. Oh, my goodness. I still listen to the Beatles. They're <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. So many great songs. Um, and then I guess for me, drumming in particular, I had... At 11 years old, I think, my dad came home with a CD... Iron Butterfly was the name okay. of the band, and Anagata DeVita was the name <laughs> of the song, which yeah. maybe if you're of my generation, you don't know this song, but <laughs> it, it, it contains like an 18-minute drum solo. Yeah. And um, my dad gave me the CD, and he would sit down and be like, this is how you play the drum solo, which was not at all how you played the drum solo, but um, I'd listen to that song over and over again, and I was yeah. able to actually learn the whole drum solo, or my version of the it's drum really 18 solo. 18 minutes? It's the, wow. Yeah, I think maybe 16 to 18 minutes. Wow. It's a long drum solo. Oh my gosh, yeah, also. that's so long. <laughs> I, I feel like I, maybe I haven't heard only like the radio Maybe an edited cut, or, version. Yeah, yeah. edited version. It's like a so. piece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. Um, why do you guys love music, and like, why, why are you doing what you do now? Well, I was always drawn to music for some reason. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I, no one in my family plays music, so maybe I was just being a rebel. But I thought there was something special about you know the way it makes you feel, and that it's kind of undescribable. Mm-hmm. But it's something that everyone around the world—you have different languages—but everyone has music. Yeah. So that to me is something you really can't pin down. Like, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I still don't know what it is, but yeah. I like it, so I'm trying to figure it out. Were your parents supportive of, like, the bands? Absolutely. Were- well, I realize it more and more as I grow older, like, how supportive they were, because, mm-hmm. like, um, I would have band practice in the garage, or there's a room right off the garage, and it, it was insulated, so I thought it was soundproof, and I'd put, like, egg cartons on the wall, but, no, they could hear everything. My mom would be like, oh, I like that new song you're playing, and I'm like, oh, you could hear that new song? How embarrassing, but... yeah. Yeah. They put up with it. I think my neighbors probably put up with it. Probably. <laughs> <lost people. laughs> 
That's great. Um, were your parents supportive of like when you decided to start? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, I was lucky that I came because I came home from school in fifth grade and said I'm gonna play the drums, and they were like, okay. Um, they were a little more taken aback when I was 27 and I said, uh, not cooking anymore. I actually quit my bartending job and I'm going to play the drums again. So we kind of went through it a second time. And yeah. I think uh, at that age, they were a little bit like, okay, okay. Like, but when they saw us play at Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. uh, it sort of changed their mind. And I think with both of our parents, Tone's dad and my dad are both entrepreneurs And um, they, as an entrepreneur, can recognize that we're running a business. We're not just hitting on things and playing guitar. We're running a business. But we are hitting on things. We are as well (laughs) doing those things. But um, I think that that entrepreneurial side of them can see that, hey, we're having to do, you know, all these different things to run this business. And it's not just going to, I don't know, kill our careers to be up there playing music, that we can build our careers from here. That's so great. Um, so from like the first shows you, you know, started playing, what was that like to now like finding like management and like that whole process and like touring and finding like a booking agent? And, like, <laughs> well, it could be narrowed down to a small story. I think a lot of it okay. um, where we started playing gigs and we're like, well, we got to go to South by Southwest because I used to record bands out there and I've seen that it's just a mess of music industry mm-hmm. so I was like well we got to just put ourselves out there and try and like play this festival somehow so we did we got some shows um three shows none of them anywhere near the festival they were like okay top yeah. shops like no one was they there. weren't near sixth street if you're they, familiar yeah, with austin yes horrible. yes definitely i've been there a few times but uh so we spent like thirteen hundred dollars on gas getting out there it was like five dollars gallon that year it was crazy oh, man. Oh. yeah traveling from san diego mm-hmm. yeah right? yeah, yeah. So we're like, man, this is like a lot of money for, you know, a no, nobody band to spend to like to go to South by. Yeah. And we knew a lot of people that were going and just partying and saying, well, we'll make the most out of it. And then... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah. in the green room right now. Yeah, we got a a sound guy interaction. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I forget what it was. Oh, uh, so, so 13, yeah. Oh, some people were partying. We, oh, yeah. money, we decided to make a bunch of burn CDs of our like, demo. Yeah. And some flyers, and we would hand them out, mainly Cece, because she was more outgoing than I was. Um, but I would help, too, watch out, make sure no one was being rude to her. <laughs> 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 and we are at a witch witch, a sandwich place, and she saw some guys in suits looking at, like, an itinerary, and... She's like, these guys look like they need to go to our show. So she brought them a flyer. Yeah, and they said, you yeah. probably won't make it to our show, but at least check out our music and our band. And um, do you want to finish it? Oh, I don't care. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, so we handed them the flyer. We left. I left crying. I left like, we are nobody. And then a month later, it was when Tone was working on Coachella, and I get a call from an A&R guy in New York at Roadrunner Records who was holding the flyer that I gave to the radio guys in the Witch Wow! Oh. He's like, I'm looking at your flyer and we want to see you guys play, we want to sign you guys. And we had nobody, we had no management. They looked up our YouTube nothing. video. Yeah, they looked up our stuff and mm-hmm. uh, we ended up flying out to New York for the first time ever for me. And we played with the Monsters and Men, a showcase. It was oh, wow. their first show in the U.S. 
And, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> we played for the record label, and um, they didn't end up signing us, but we got a manager, we got our agent and our attorney all out of that one flyer. And Austin City Limits. And Austin City Limits, yeah. yeah. That's so, that's so, I love that story. <laughs> we love it too because it does feel like when you're in that worst place where you're like, gosh, I'm, that's what we felt like. We are nobody. Yeah. That you have to remind yourself always that, hey, I'm somebody and somebody will think so. And somebody will agree, even if it feels like 10,000 people don't care. Right. Yeah. I think that's always like a really good thing to remind yourself when you're <laughs> in that spot of like just starting out and like, with something new and yeah that's that's Mrs. New Podcast over here (laughs) yes (laughs) yes um what have been like some of the challenges you know for you guys over the past years uh touring or do you have any crazy like tour stories or like I don't know we've had all sorts Mm. of challenges um yeah I mean like Driving through snowstorms and blizzards and no heat in the oh. van and oh no oh yeah, it's the worst. no heat from what Manhattan, New York New to, York to Toronto. Toronto to Chicago in the polar vortex oh my gosh oh the polar vortex oh. fifteen and, or something so and I think what people don't realize when you're touring with a band when you like we were touring supporting the John Butler trio mm-hmm. right was that the tour mm-hmm. and when you're touring supporting a big band it's great for a small band to be out there but at the same time you're with a band that's on a tour bus and that tour bus can drive through the night while they sleep while they sleep and they have a driver and they can relax and do whatever and they plan their routing based on the fact that they have that driver and when you're supporting a band and you're not on a tour bus you're driving through the night right all the time they're sleeping you're driving then when you get there they're all rested and we're like all right we're here. Made it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that when I was uh, on work tour with the Bang Ups, where like everyone else is in like a big tour bus, yeah. and yeah. then like it's like St. Louis to like Chicago, and then like a couple days later, then a day off, where it's like yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I totally understand that. It's it's rough. It can be rough. Yeah, <laughs> and really tiring. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Do you guys have any advice for, for bands starting out? I mean, a, a vague general advice, I would say, yes. is just make sure whatever you do, do it for yourself first. Like, make sure you like it. Yeah. If you're trying to chase something or someone else, or it's never going to be, you just got to find what's in you. And there's a lot in you that you don't know that's in there. So. Yeah. I would think my piece of advice is to be your biggest cheerleader and start today because you'll need it no matter how successful you are you still need to be your biggest cheerleader because no and we're only at this mid-level of success but I do believe even the more success you get the more rejection you get the more negative feedback you get along with positive feedback so if you're not able to say before setting off on your dream that I can do this like I tell myself constantly I am enough I have enough I'm doing enough and like you if you can't figure that out before embarking on a dream especially in the show business world then it's never it won't come from other people somebody else telling you're amazing isn't going to make you feel amazing no i mean you can encourage someone as much as you possibly can and but it has to come from within fully yes yeah i i totally totally agree on that um so are you guys working on a new album? <laughs> what's like, yeah, what's in the works right now? 
We're always working on albums. Yeah. It's just when an album comes out, it's like just a purge of all the songs that we've been working on, I guess, yeah. for the years. So, yeah, I think we're looking hopefully January, February 2017. Okay. For, we've been through a couple management changes that have set us back and, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of shifting to navigate what's the best time to release for our team. Yeah. And that's what it feels like right now. That's cool. And you do a lot of, of the mastering and mixing, right? Or well, Yeah, and the recording. I and do the it recording. all. Yeah. yeah. I like it that way. It's a lot of fun for me. And I feel like music is... Music, if you just look at it from the outside, mm-hmm. it's mainly a recording, right? Like right. people hear it and that should be what the artists are most involved in because it's all part of how it ends up sounding. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being in studios in high school and not knowing what to do when... I knew it didn't sound like what I wanted it to sound like. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know how to get to that endpoint. So then I started digging into it, like, why do you need a compressor or EQ or mm-hmm. gates or whatever? And figured out how I could help improve our overall sound. Because we'd spend, like, all our savings on demos back in high school and then be really bummed that we spent $1,000 for this demo and it's, like, embarrassed to show people because right. it doesn't yeah. sound good. Mm-hmm. So I started figuring out. I haven't figured it all out, but I think I'm getting closer in yeah. probably a lifelong process of narrowing it down to what I like the sound of. It might change, too. Yeah. Um, what type of like atmosphere do you guys usually like recording? Is it a traditional recording studio, or is it at home, or like what? It's, or does it change it's, up? It's changed, changed. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, our last studio, which we did the first half of this album on, was... A sectioned off part of a garage, but there was no garage doors. It was all adobe brick, okay. which is really cool, and yeah. a vault, vaulted wood ceiling, so it had some cool vibe to it. Put down hundred floors and rugs. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, yeah. Um, now we're recording in a cabin by the lake in Tahoe okay. to finish the yeah. record. So it will go like we were in pretty much the desert of San Diego to the mountains of Lake Tahoe. Nevada. Nevada. That's so, oh, I love that. That's awesome. It's like, yeah, night and day a little bit. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, this one's a little smaller than the last one, so it's changed the sound and it's a little more dead, this okay. the room. So it's cool to have that extra color now to mix into the mm-hmm. album. Yeah, I think that's so great that you guys can just like record yourselves and like do as many changes as you need Mm -hmm. and like not having to book studio time and like or maybe just doing like your home well i've been there and done that and i hate the pressure and the anxiety and the cost of paying by the hour for studio stuff yeah yeah Yeah. how long does it usually take for you guys to record an album like this one's taking years (laughs) i think two years is kind of the schedule we've been on every few years we put out a record yeah um well i mean as we write a song we record it and mm -hmm. then it, as we're recording and we hear something like, oh, this would be cooler if we did that. And yeah. then we can restart or fix that or change things. And mm-hmm. So it's not like we have all the songs and we're like, no, we're going to record them all. Yeah. It's more of like one at a time, kind of change the mics. So none of the mics are in the same spots for every song. So Okay. Um, it's kind of just a weird, long process in between <laughs> tours mainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so great. Um, what's next for what's you guys? Next? Um, well, we are getting married. Uh, Congratulations! <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, that we haven't really been too public with our relationship, but we, we met as a band and fell in love along the way, and we're getting married actually next weekend. That's so exciting! <laughs> I know, I'm so happy for you both. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw. Yeah, you 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 both told me at the resident mm-hmm. a couple months back a show in LA, and I was just like. Ah, I was wondering if it like was ever gonna happen. <laughs> so yeah, it just yeah, I was yeah, I was just so happy to to hear that and we're excited. I think to yeah. be able to kind of talk about it. I mean, we yeah. still want the focus to be the music, but um, yeah, music has always been like how we came together and yeah, it's important. But I do think it also opened ourselves up to each other, maybe like to you know writing music together, sharing all these experiences. It's mm-hmm. been an important part of our relationship as yeah. a band and otherwise too. So. That's so great. Oh my gosh. I'm, yeah, I'm just so happy for you both. <laughs> Thank I you. love, yeah. I don't know. I just love the whole story of like meeting on Craigslist and that, you know, like the whole progression of like everything. I just think, I just think it's so cool. I agree. It is yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing this today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. This was, this was awesome. First episode success. Thank you first and foremost to Little Hurricane. Can you believe it? They got married. I also want to thank Rob Bell and Matt Gorley for inspiring me to start my own podcast. Everyone should check out the Robcast and I was there too. What was that theme music you heard? It was the Bang Ups Keep Walking. And the logo design was by Brent French of the Bang Ups. If you haven't checked out their new album, Candy Cigarettes, it's a must. It was recorded by the legendary Steve Albini. Thank you to Dan Portnoy for the podcast gear. I couldn't have done it without you. Also, thank you, Kate Mosier, for your moral support and Heidi Cho for helping me with all the different file formats of the logos. I leave you with Little Hurricane's song, My Heart Skips a Beat. My heart skips a beat, babe, just be- Wait for the right one on my way.